Welcome to All Things Wolverines, a Wolverine sports podcast for the people, by the people. Enjoy expert analysis, entertaining discussion, and the pessimism of true Michigan fans. Get ready for All Things Wolverines. Oh. All right. Welcome to All Things Wolverines. Brandon, Nate, and Cousin Kyle here with you today uh, as we recap uh, what turned out to be a crazy big win for Michigan against against the Rutger, uh, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, uh, Big Ten's uh, crowning jewel of the last you know fifteen years, adding adding them to the conference. Nate. Uh, kind of give us your, you know, your recap and your one big takeaway. What were you seeing in this game uh, as Michigan played Rutgers? Thanks for that intro, Brandon. I did want to give, I'm going to stop calling them the Rutger. I will say this. They are an efficient program. Okay. Like Shiano is a good defensive backs coach, a good special teams coach. They are competent. They, they win games because some teams just have the worst week of their year and they, that's how they get five wins a year. Um, However, I don't want to call them Rutgers. What I do want to call them is on the rewatch, I noticed they all wear red polos and khakis. It looks like a bunch of State Farm agents on the sidelines. So let's <laughs> declare them State Farm University of Piscataway, New Jersey. Moving forward, I just think that's let's just make that a thing. State I Farm, you. The good people at uh, State Farm that take up all the ad space during the games that we despise, especially at 830 for a kickoff commercial kickoff situation um yeah moving along i just thought you know it, it was this is the time of year where there's just a slog in the schedule it's a road trip uh the farthest that we have to this point get used to this in the near distant future of la trips when we play ucla and usc out in la in the middle of the school year i think those are going to just be rough first halves getting used to everything but i am overall my one big takeaway is I think I texted you guys. We are just, we are a very good team. We just are. Every time we get down, we come right back and it's over very quickly in the second half. Uh, they came out and just imposed their very aggressive will. Um, I think it speaks very positively about the leadership on the field. Years past, I'm not going to share some names of players that we've had, but you can just tell there's some immaturity going on at the talented positions. Mm. And it feels to me at this juncture of the year back-to-back years especially at the quarterback position there is just a different level of okay let's go and that's what you have to have in football someone on the field who just takes charge let's just move forward let's beat them we're better than they are and it's just fun to watch <laughs> i think that's why i was worried in the first half because i'm just like i just don't want this to be the game right this can't be the game that we lose because it kind of felt that way that it was just rough on the side looking at it um, body language was a little rough. It was a weird game. Um, I'm sure you guys will talk a little bit more about that, but either way, it's just fun to watch us be very good and play very well uh, and just finish games off without any worries whatsoever and just enjoying the rest of a Saturday night that brought down Alabama and, uh, yeah, overall a good Saturday. So that's my it big really was a really great historic Saturday for Michigan football fans. Yeah. And I think even to your point and the body language stuff that ended up changing, but it, it genuinely looked like everyone was sick. Like they just looked ill. Like they did not look right in the eyes and in the face and all that stuff. But anyways, Kyle, Corum what threw was up, threw, up, threw up again. So we're two and zero with quorum throw ups, which is great. Puking <laughs> on the sidelines two and zero. 
Cousin Kyle, what's your one big takeaway from the game against the Rutger? I mean, State Farm U. I agree. I think I think there were some illnesses. I'd be curious if that's even why some of the starters got uh, you know, sent home or like they weren't taken on the trip, like Roman Wilson, uh Hayes, you know, like were they yeah, just kind of battling. Uh, so, you know, whether that's like stomach flu or something like that, hopefully uh, whatever it is, it's all out of their systems and and, and they're going to be good and healthy, ready to go. I think that the, the, the receivers really dropped um, a lot of passes that, that they should be bringing in. Um, I think JJ missed some opportunities you want them to get, you know, the, uh, the pass that was the first drive or second drive to Andre Anthony that, you know, was just like an inch or two beyond him that, that very much, it was perfectly thrown as a touchdown. Uh, even if it's just thrown maybe with a little bit more air is going to be um, a, a, if it's thrown with a little bit more air, it's going to be a, 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 like a 50 yard catch or whatever it is. So, that was that was uh, unfortunate. I think Rutgers wants to be super annoying. They don't want to be a doormat anymore. They've been a doormat for a long time. I think Greg Schiano is good at making them not a doormat, but they still got paved like one. And on a day that saw you know two top four teams lose, and in general a sport that that can have some some chaos days where a lot of a lot of highly ranked teams lose really strange games to unranked opponents. Michigan paved and that's all that we can uh, hope for. And to Nate's you know, point, it was a great day for Michigan. Clemson lost, Tennessee lost. Those are teams that are you know, kind of in front of us as far as the playoff is concerned. And I think Ohio State only winning 21 to seven at Northwestern is as close to an Ohio State loss we're going to get uh, to a team like that. So, we, you know, they won, but not in a paving fashion. And we did. So we should enjoy that. That was my takeaway. Yeah, my my one big takeaway is we are a third quarter juggernaut. Uh Michigan outscored Rutgers 28 to 0 in the third quarter. Um that's a great quarter. <laughs> it was an awesome quarter. And Michigan has outscored all opponents 84 to 6 in the third quarter this season. So not only does our offense turn it up, obviously our defense is turning it up then too. And I realize a lot of that is our O-line wearing defenses down, which is great. You know, obviously our offensive line is, you know, very physical um, and continues to to do that. Um, and so the question, you know, that I have is how do we do that in the first and second quarters? How do we start turning up and opening up the playbook and not just – you know, waiting until the third or fourth quarter to wear, you know, teams down, but to create some of those big plays. Obviously, I love that we wear that's part of our character. That's part of Harbaugh ball. But how do we how do we kind of activate that a little bit more in the first and second quarters? Well, uh, there was definitely pessimism in this game. So what was your pessimistic uh, Michigan moment, Nate? Um, because it, it it had it. It had all the undertones there. Um, also, what a what a time! Michigan fans rooting for Notre Dame on Saturday. What a what a weird situation we found ourselves in. Um, to Kyle's point, uh, yes. So anyway, now that I'm unmuted, apologies on the uh, boomer situation. Uh, yeah, I've got us being a little concerned on my end. Back to back weeks, Sparty Rutgers tall receiver 
throw the ball up. Our defensive backs, we just can't make the excuse, well, we're three inches shorter than these guys. It's like, all right, well, that's Marvin Harrison Jr. is waiting in Ohio State. So I'm just going to put it out there. C.J. Stroud throws that ball. Um, we can't go into the second half down 28 points. And that offense could bury us if we don't adjust in the first half. I see what you're saying, Brandon. I agree. I've never seen a better third quarter team in my life. This is incredible what they do. But there are certain teams that would put you out of your game plan and consistent throwing up to a player of his caliber. If we can't stop a six foot two receiver, a six four receiver on little fade routes, um, that's my concern moving forward. I don't think we're going to see that consistently with Nebraska, nor will we see it with Illinois. They're just different offenses and different skill sets, but Ohio State certainly does. And we don't have Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo. We've got a different kind of a pass rush. I, I love our pass rush, but it's not that kind of that it was last year that really set off C.J. Stroud. So curious to see those adjustments. But yeah, my pessimism is simply, okay, D.J. Turner isn't a lockdown with tall receivers. Um, Jermon Green isn't a lockdown with tall receivers. And let's be honest, we can't just put it on the refs to bail us out. Even if it is clearly an offensive pass interference, we can't expect that, especially on the road in Columbus. That's not going to happen. We just have to accept that reality. So what are we going to do? Makari um, Page being out, I think, hurt. Um, we had a couple of backup safeties. Quentin Johnson came into play. Um, Moten's better at the run defense than he is pass defense. So I don't know. It's a little concerning for me. That's where my pessimism comes in. I don't know what they're going to do in the first half against an Ohio State team that clearly is the best in the country at those fade routes, maybe outside of Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cousin Kyle, what was your pessimistic miscreant moment there? Yeah, I think, you know, for everyone, it was the the punt block that uh, allowed Rutgers to tie the game at seven. You know, I think Michigan uh, was moving the ball fairly well. We were kind of thinking that we were about to get, you know, two up two scores. And I think, uh, let's see, there was a that was that was the drive that the Anthony pass was was incomplete so it's like we go from this opportunity of of going up 14 nothing to now all of a sudden it's tied seven to seven we go into the halftime at 17 14 I think though that that only only the Michigan fan who whose pessimism has been forged in the fires of you know App State and Toledo and all of Rich Rodriguez's career at Michigan and even that 2014 game against Rutgers and supernova uh, would lead you to think that this was a, a possibility that we would lose uh, because again, clearly Michigan was just so much better. And within three minutes into the third quarter, it was suddenly a three score game. Uh, so, but the, the punt block definitely was peak peak pessimism. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever truly thought we would lose the game, um, but it, it was just kind of like, dang it, we need to get all three phases going at the same time early in a game. And a blocked punt, it's it's usually easy to see who the problem was. And it definitely wasn't Brad Robbins, I'll tell you that. And so, um, you know, that was just like, oh, that's just a bummer because I wanted to see that game where we took that step really got off to a hot first, you know, first half and put up points. So that was just kind of depressing. And then 
And then I would say, you know, especially after my, you know, big Jake Moody take, you know, Jake's been great. Obviously, Lou Groza candidate still for this year. Lou Groza award winner last year. Um, and, you know, I, I really I really put, you know, him in into the limelight. And, uh, you know, that's on me. That's on me. Uh, I, I don't think he could really <laughs> handle that spotlight. Um, but uh, to our most, you know, uh, downloaded episode to, to date last week, if you missed that. Um, but it was just a bummer that we, you know, he missed two of those kicks. You know, I kind of expect him, you know, to at least make one of those. There was a little bit of wind, but nothing crazy from 50 yards. So going down 17, 14, it was just a bummer. I didn't think we were going to lose. I wasn't super sad about it. But I was just bummed. You know, I wasn't mad. I was just disappointed. You know, uh, I thought we could get off to a, a better a better start. Um, but I, on that note, uh, let's let's analyze. Let's deep dive. Give us that expert analysis. Nate, what are you overanalyzing uh, from the from this experience against the State Farm U, formerly known as the artist of Rut- the Rutger, formerly known as Rutgers University? Well, Brenda, I'm a little disappointed not to pile on to your takes last week, but I really wanted to dive into uh, a Cade takeover half uh, that we were getting on the pod exclusive last week that did not. Well, transpire. I mean, but, you know, and that's why, you know. and that's why I was so disappointed that we didn't get off to a big lead because we don't even know. Did he dress? I don't even know, but we couldn't find out because we didn't have a lead. You know, we were losing at halftime, so we had to keep JJ in. It's true. Where's Cade? Um, yeah, so over over analysis, I would say the first half from my end of things, first of all, I I do have to say, I think JJ had one of his, I think that was his best passing game. We Rutgers will have two people in their secondary draft in the NFL. I'm just telling you that easy ends a really good safety as the other guy that had his hand on Schoonmaker, uh, the, the bullet that Schoonmaker got put in his chest. Uh, the guy's hand was right inside of his chest to grab the ball out. I mean, great defensive backs from Rutgers. They just, they have those occasionally. It's weird. Um, but I thought he puts the balls where they needed to go. And, uh, but there, there were some situations up front. It's back-to-back years now. We have two incredible offensive line units. And for whatever reason, the stunts that they have, it's kind of like playing against Army-Navy, right? Where it's no one else does this strategy. No one else uh does this the way that they do it they're undersized linemen but they're very disciplined um yards were hard to come by and yet we still gained 282 rush yards you know like that's that's the level we're talking about how good we are but it didn't feel like that until donovan edwards who i'll talk about a little later um came to fruition there but but quorum's yards were hard um things else that happened i mean they got to jj a few times they contained him um what i noticed was and this is what i wanted to analyze the way that they were able to contain JJ and prevent him from rollouts was they did what I was talking about, how, how we went over with Peyton Thorne, which is they contained him. They put him in a box. Michigan's offensive line goes into a U formation to really kind of create this place that he can step up into the pocket because Olu, Zinter, and Keegan are so solid. But Keegan had a lot of trouble because I think he was worried about Percy due to Ryan Hayes being out as our left tackle. So what you noticed is they would go forward and then take two steps back and they would just put their hands up. So JJ couldn't really see the lanes as he typically does. And uh, I'm curious as effective as that was in the first half, we went away from our game plan, made some adjustments and we were fine. Um, But I'm curious moving forward, if Illinois is going to take a page out of their book to do that. If Ohio state's going to do that. Um, 
But anyway, that's what I was trying to figure out. But that's back-to-back years now that Rutgers' defensive front, just the defensive front, has given us issues. So well done to Shiano's game plan of that. Again, it's one of those games where you just are like, no one else does this. You prepare for one week and you forget about it because no one else runs it. But maybe moving forward, somebody else will. But it is impressive. Um, And Weiss uh, did something brilliantly with Edwards, uh, which is just teach him to be patient, kind of a run like a a zone run where you just wait for the hole to open up. And there it was. And Edwards just burst through the hole and and made something out of it. But anyway, it was fun to watch the adjustments, but good game plan from Shiano. And uh, anyway, that's uh, my analysis of the game. Cousin Kyle, uh, give us your overanalyze. You know, I'm going to do something different. I'm just going to talk about basketball because basketball started this week. And let's be real. It was the State Farm University of Rutgers that we played. Uh, so, and we I played thought, the Mighty Mastodons on uh, right. on on Monday, right? <laughs> That's right, we did. So, yeah, per- Purdue Fort Wayne uh, is supposed to be a pretty decent mid-major team. They were picked to win the Horizon League. Uh, the Ken Palm uh, spread in this game was 17 points, and Michigan won by 19. So we got that Ken Palm cover, which is always nice. And man, I. It, you know, we've only had an, a, a scrimmage or an exhibition game and one regular season game, but Jed Howard has been a vision. He has great length, silky smooth shot, uh, good length and transition. There was a play where I think it was uh, Doug McDaniel got a steal, was going for the layup and got blocked because, you know, he's kind of short. Like two two plays later, Michigan on another transition break, Jed Howard was the one taking into the basket, and his he just uses his length to basically block the defender from having an opportunity to to do that same thing. Big test await. I mean, if he can score like this against Virginia or or North Carolina, then man, that that's going to be uh, wonderful, uh, a wonderful addition. And and you know, let's hope that Dad can can tell him that he needs to stick around for at least another year you know, for mom's sake and, uh, you know, getting to play with Jace for, for, for another year potentially, but, you know, Llewellyn, I thought had a, a pretty decent game, uh, three rebounds, three assists. Nice to see some length, uh, at point guard again, he had a nice block in the first half on, uh, their, their little point guard. Who's very, very quick. Hunter did Hunter things. Don't need to talk about that. He's just amazing. We love him. Uh, Kobe Bufkin got to the rim. But but he needs to finish on threes. He he was 0 for 4. Going to need to see him uh, hit at, at, at a 40% clip this year. Uh, in general, though, we saw some nice shooting from Jet. He was 5 of 10. Uh, Joey Baker was, I think, 3 of 6. Uh, so want to see some more bounce scoring. They play uh, uh, Eastern Michigan on Friday night. Uh, and Amani Bates, who did not play in their first game. So who knows what's going on with him. Uh, he's, he, he could be uh, a really great matchup for Michigan in the sense of just like preparing them for really high quality players, or he could be MIA, no idea, but, uh, and, and finally just make free throws, make free throws. So anyway, that was my over analysis of the, uh, basketball game. There you go. As we, you know, continue throughout and as the basketball season picks up, you'll hear a little. Updates here and there, little insights uh, regarding the Michigan basketball teams uh, as they as they launch their season. So uh, my overanalyze going back to, you know, football, um, you know, I'll say this uh, for a first year coordinator at Michigan. And Nate's talked a little bit about this. uh, Jesse Minter 
just makes great second half adjustments. Um, you know, Zach Shaw uh, shared that Michigan's a sack rate by quarter through five, their first five big 10 games uh, was five and a half percent in the first quarter, second quarter, 5.4%, the third quarter, 8.9%. And then the fourth quarter, 14 and a half percent. So as the game, you know, goes on, the sack rate goes up. And obviously a lot of that probably has to do with down and distance and, you know, us being ahead and all those things, but it's just a, it's a great trend. <laughs> I like this trend. Uh, and, and mentor, you know, seems to be making the right adjustments at the right time in the second half of games. Uh, 13 of 18 sacks have come with Michigan leading by 13 plus points and 10 have come in the third and fourth and long type plays. So, we're we're really getting after the quarterback when we need to. Uh, in the last four games, Michigan's defense is allowing 5.3 yards per play in the first half, which isn't great. Uh, it's not terrible, but only 2.9 yards per play in the second half. So it's just showing, you know, as we kind of, we, we not only, you know, uh, have some time of possession going on on offense and, and, you know, wearing them down. Also, our defense just team sent, tends to ratchet it up in the in the second half. So uh, just loving what Minter, you know, Jesse Minter is doing, making those adjustments. All right. It's that time. Uh, we do it every week. The ATW Awards, the All Things Wolverines Awards for the week. Nate, uh, who's that unsung hero this week? Yes. So I'm going to declare a few people who are just ineligible, who are just consistently, they're the stars, right? I know Harbaugh is trying to convince everyone there are no stars on this defense, but Mel Kuyper came out with his top 50 draftable players this next year, and Mike Morris is number 22. So they're clearly our stars on the defense, but I do love the name no stars defense. I think that's great. So Blake Corum, Oluola, Timi, Mike Morris, Mozzie Smith, Mike Sanderstrill, those are all stars. They're not eligible for this award, if you will. But uh, I was thinking about Barrett, but I, I genuinely think after watching it, Jake Butt did a good job, I thought, analyzing the game as well, had shared this too. But as the up back, it was his responsibility to see something uh, to prevent the blocked punt from happening. So I can't give it to him fully, even though he did have a great defensive game. Uh, the unsung hero, in my opinion, is Donovan Edwards. Um, if you recall... Um, when the Chargers were good uh, with Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates, there was also a running back named Ladanian Tomlinson. If you remember the greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner, there was Marshall Falk. What do those two running backs have in common with Donovan Edwards? Incredible hands in the backfield. What I would like to see is this. I would like to see an offense called Double Lightning with two running backs split from J.J. McCarthy in the backfield with Corum and Edwards. In the backfield, I just think that would open up a very fun, fascinating offense that you could do RPOs with, you could do screen passes with, you could do a whole bunch of things with. He's obviously an incredible route runner. The catch that he had in the end zone for a touchdown was remarkable. I think he put Schoonmaker, Wilson, and Bell out there. That's for another time. Either way, Edwards is clearly an incredible receiver at running back, but he also had three or four great runs. He was this close to breaking one long earlier in the game, and he was ticked about it. And you could tell he was ticked about it because he ran like a mad man. Um, they seem to pick up from each other, Corum and Edwards. Uh, I feel like Edwards has this maturity about him when he's interviewed. He's just seems like he's ages ahead of what his age is, which is I think he's 19 years old. But he's got a maturity about him. And 
I'm telling you, across the board, there's just I'm just impressed. Every post game interview that we get, Edwards has something about him, but he really put the team on his back when they were getting stoned. And uh, from the backfield in the flat and down the field, get that touchdown. He's the unsung hero of the game. I love it. So Corum for Heisman this year, Edwards comes back and goes for it next year. I mean, that would just be amazing. They are double lightning. Love it. Uh, Cousin Kyle, what's the big mistake of the week in the, in the big 10 conference? Yeah, I think, you know, there was uh, a lot of mistakes, but I, I do want to talk about, the fact that Ryan Day had C.J. Stroud throw the ball 26 times on Saturday. And if you don't live in the Midwest, you should know that it was uh, a very windy day all across the the Midwest. Uh, And obviously Chicago, Evanston is known for being windy already. And so, you know, we're talking about an average wind speed of about 30, 35 miles per hour uh 55 mile per hour gusts and you know he only completes 10 passes for 76 yards and this is a guy that is supposed to be a Heisman front runner and that is uh abysmal right like yeah you you look at Blake Corum I mean the only reason why he would win it is the bias of both quarterbacks in general and then Ohio State in particular right because this is a guy who you know, when Ryan Day is hired by the Indianapolis Colts in this offseason and he gets drafted by the Colts so that he can play in a perfect, you know, domed condition because that is when he is just phenomenal, right? But, like, you know, he has a cough. The wind blows a little bit. There's some precipitation. Uh, he's he's not as good. And so I thought on Saturday I read uh, Spencer Hall, uh, shut down full cast, had tweeted out that uh, Ryan Day's decision-making rivaled Brian Kelly when he was at Notre Dame losing to North Carolina state in like a monsoon hurricane. <laughs> oh, that was just great. I mean, Northwestern is one and seven and has not won a single game in the Western hemisphere. So this is a team that, <laughs> that yeah, this is a team that Ohio state should be beating by 28 at least and a, a 21 to seven victory. I feel like that's actually uh, what Michigan has done from time to time. in Jim Harbaugh's, you know, uh, ten years, like there's some teams that we should beat down, or and then it's just like, oh, that's like Rutgers last year, uh, maybe even Maryland at the beginning of the year. But you know, uh, this is probably the only time we're ever going to get to really make fun of Ohio State, and I'm going to take that opportunity. And so that was our big mistake of the week. I love it. Yeah, and it was. I mean, it was a, it was like a tie game late into the game, right? Stroud's actually. CJ Stroud actually busted off like a big, a big run uh, to, you know, to, to kind of help seal the game for them. So yeah, it was, it was fascinating. Um, I will say, you know, for me, for special teams, uh, you know, award of the week, um, our special teams stunk. Uh, We gave up a blocked punt touchdown to state farm. U, formerly known as the Rutger, formerly known as Rutgers university. We missed two first half field goals. Um, you know, part of me wanted the award to go to, uh, state farm. U, formerly known as the Rutger, formerly known as Rutgers university's punter, Adam Corsack from Melbourne, Australia. Um, every time he went back to punt, it was a moment of terror for everyone on the field for, 
for Rutgers and for Michigan. You're like, is he going to run for a first down? Um, is this going to be, and then you're also like, is this going to get blocked every time? And then it was like, is this, that looks like a 25 yard punt. And then like his first one, it rolled and was a 54 yarder. And you're like, what is this? It's, you can't return these punts. You can't do anything with it. Not that our return game has been, you know, anything special this year anyways. Um, but it, you know, every time it seemed like there was just like, a moment of terror for everyone on the field. It was just like a thrill of what was going to going to happen. And somehow, some way he had three punts inside the 20. Um, but it was just, it was just a train wreck watching it every time. And it was, it was fascinating to break, break down. Um, but I will say my ATW award winner of the week, although it may be controversial is Brad Robbins. Um, as one who has had a punt blocked on me, it it rattles you in a game. It especially if it's your first punt of the game. It wasn't his fault. Um, there was obviously a clearly missed assignment. And he bounced back from that and didn't rush things, which often is what happens. You know, you start rushing your mechanics, you have some really bad punts. It wasn't like he was, you know, Pat McAfee out there. Um, and it was a tight game. And it's 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 hard to kind of work through that when you've had one blocked early on. He had two out of three punts inside the 20-yard line. Um, you know what? And, and Brad Robbins has not been amazing this year. Um, we haven't needed him all that often, but he was solid and, you know, it was really hard in the dumpster fire that was our special teams this past week to find somebody else. So I give it to Brad Robbins for his, his mentality, um, and his resiliency to, to stand in there and to, uh, keep putting that, putting that rock. So um, Brad Robbins is our ATW special teamer of the week. All right. Uh, next up is on to Nebraska uh, preview and predictions. Uh, Nebraska is coming to the big house this weekend. Nate, uh, what are you seeing as Nebraska gets ready to come play at the big house? Sure. Well, first of all, glad you brought up the punter because that was insanity um, that they have some guy that can do that. And then, Kyle always throwing shade in Ohio State as much as we can, as often as we can. I really always appreciate that viewpoint. Um, Nebraska, so I've been doing, it's the holiday season, right? It's November. We're getting close to mid-November. Bringing up uh, movies comparisons to each team. So Nebraska, what are they? Uh, they are in any 80s or 90s movie that some people really like, but the reality is it's over. It's not good. You go back and you watch it. Um, movie for me, the original Top Gun. It's horrible. It's terrible. I've heard Maverick is great. I haven't seen it. I'm sure it's well done. But um, Nebraska has a sellout crowd every time. But can I can I bring you up to speed about what their record is since 2017? As a team, Nebraska is 22 and 43 since 2017, which is wild. Growing up, they were great every time, right? Um, some people are still really into it. They go. It's their tradition. They live in Nebraska. What else are you going to do? Um, there's always a couple of good players. Nebraska lost two or three to the NFL, and they're actually getting regular playing time. I think the Bengals even have uh, one of their safeties, Cam Taylor-Britt, who's doing well. Jojo Doman's a linebacker for the Colts. They've always got talent, but they lost considerable amount of talent off the defensive um, side this past year. So I had the privilege and honor of watching Nebraska and Minnesota, uh, which meant, yes, I got back-to-back viewings of P.J. Fleck football, and I'm still alive to tell the story. They won 20-13. to Here's the fun part. Nebraska was up 10 to nothing, and then Minnesota's quarterback got hurt. Their second stringer gets in and wins the game 20 to 13. Nebraska continues 
to screw things up. Um, they had a chance to get the ball back. It's third and seven. Minnesota's quarterback can't throw the ball. Nebraska puts eight in the box because they know they're going to run. And their running back, who is good, Mo Ibrahim, got it up the gut for eight yards for a first. <laughs> and they're at home. Nebraska's, uh, they just find ways to lose. But this year in particular, Casey Thompson's a good quarterback. He's a transfer from Texas, but like most good quarterbacks in the Big Ten West, um, bad offensive line, so he's physically broken. I don't know if he's playing this week or not. I think they're still somewhat possible to win the Big Ten. Well, they're not disqualified from the Big Ten West title. That's all they've got going for them. It's going to be a bloodbath. I think the game's going to be 49 to 7, 49 to 10. Uh, Mark Whipple's a good offensive coordinator, so they'll have a good first 15 plays scripted. But beyond that, I don't foresee this being anything com- competitive. So anyway, Michigan big, Nebraska, it'll be a fun Saturday. But it should be a sloppy game, 42 degrees. I think it's like a 50% chance of rain. So it could be the first Saturday that we have that's uh, kind of a sloppy game to watch due to the weather. But enjoy it. I don't know what time kickoff is, but uh, have a good Saturday, folks. I do believe we are in that 3.30 slot on ABC, uh, right, Cousin Kyle? We're on the this Saturday, that's 3.30 ABC. Yep, yep. Cousin Kyle, uh, yeah, on to, on to Nebraska, on to the Cornhuskers. What are you seeing as we move into this game and hosting uh, Nebraska at the Big House this weekend? Yeah, like Nate said, you know, they're they're a strange team. They got some good players but they're not very good. They're three and six with wins against IU Rutgers, which was a 14 to 13 game and North Dakota, which I don't think is a good Dakota. Like there's some uh, of those FBS Dakotas that are really, really good. North Dakota, I don't think is one of them. They do, however, have some close losses to Purdue and Minnesota, uh, but got blown out by Oklahoma, who's not very good. And Illinois, who is, probably not very good or is at least middling to decent you know Casey Thompson is a good quarterback their running back Anthony Grant is uh probably going to be a thousand yard rusher this year he's only 150 uh, about 140 yards away from that their defense though is just bad just bad I mean they just gave you that example right like they're they're just not good they can't stop the run I'm pretty sure every team that's run against them has had success uh including Georgia State who they lost to um, so assuming that, that everyone's healthy, I think Michigan should run definitely between two to 400 yards again. Uh, I think that, you know, that'll be done easily. So I would like to see JJ get some deep ball practice, depending on the weather, you know, if it's, if it's raining, it'll be passing game will be completely shut down and they'll just pound it, pound it, pound it, pound it. But I would still like to see JJ get some opportunities to throw it down the field. Corum's going to average four to five yards a carry at the very least. I think Michigan wins same area, probably 35 to 10. You know, it'll be interesting. Casey Thompson, I was reading the reports that he did not practice yesterday and it's his throwing, you know, hand. And so that can always just be complicated. It's going to be like 40 degrees. I don't know if they, I'm not sure what year he is, but if they want him to be their guy moving forward, I don't know if they're going to want him playing in this game. Um, Nebraska uh, has some talent, uh, you know, specifically, I, I, I do think their quarterback is, is decent. Um, and uh, we've seen flashes from them, but also 
Uh, I was doing a little deep dive. Uh, they're 73rd in the country in total offense. So they're not amazing on offense. They're 113th in total defense, giving up over 5.7 yards per play. So that's, you know, in the, you know, the bottom third, uh, the bottom, you know, the bottom portion of all NCAA division one teams in football. So here's what's interesting too, is Nebraska is 122nd in, in, in time of possession where Michigan is third. So I, I think it could just be one of those. We are just going to have the ball a lot. We may not see a ton of score. It, it may be the classic recipe. We don't score a ton in the first half, but by the third and fourth quarter quarter, it just, they they're just so tired because they've been on the field and they can't sustain drives. I think they, they are capable of a big play. Nebraska is here and there, but they cannot, especially with Thompson out, they're not going to be able to sustain drives against this defense. Um, so just an interesting, interesting disparities, you know, there, uh, I, I think Michigan just wears them down and wins 31 to 10, you know, obviously I would love to see, you know, some deep ball passes and things like that. It doesn't seem like the weather is going to be awful, but it is going to be cold, you know, and kind of getting, really into that November football uh, stretch. So I, I think uh, at the end, Michigan just wears them down, you know, chews up and has so much time of possession and wins uh, 31 to 10. All right, question, um, so, question. Who at this point do you think is going to be their football coach next year? Genuinely. Who do you both think they're going to actually have as their coach? Because the golden boy didn't work. So uh, what are they going to do? I think, uh, uh, oh gosh, oh man, I had a great joke and now I lost it. Who was their Heisman Trophy winner after Scott Frost? Eric, Eric Crouch. Uh, Eric Crouch. Crouch. Eric Crouch. Eric no Crouch. idea where he's at. Obviously, it's going to be Eric Crouch. You just got the wrong quarterback, Nebraska. Or Indomitian Sue. Right now. I do. I think they. I think. I. I think they'll move outside the Nebraska family. You know, that tends to be some of those, Hey, we went with our guy that stunk. Let's not drag one of our heroes through the coaching mud again. I think, I think it'll be one of those controversial figures that has kind of had like, you know, a seismic fall and is at one of those uh, lower, you know, type schools. Um, I, I, I won't drop any names quite yet on that, but I think you could understand there's probably five to eight people that they'll look at to make a, a big splash and that per and take a risk. And that person would be okay. Yeah. Nebraska. That's a, that's a big program. Let's give this a, a whirl. So, well, that's all we have for you on this week's edition of all things Wolverines. Uh, enjoy, you know, some football this weekend. Maybe there'll be more college football playoff ranking craziness um, and some upsets here and there, as long as they're not happening in, in Ann Arbor, I'm good with it. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for tuning in on all things Wolverines.